Good morning everyone. Uh, as you can see I'm at home and I'm sad not to be able to be with you in person but uh, I think many of you will know that that's because I've finally got a date for my surgery and uh, it came so quickly that uh, I've had to isolate for the last few days now to make sure that I'm okay to go into hospital on Wednesday. And I just want to take this opportunity to thank so many of you who've been praying for me and for Jean and the family um, over the last two and a bit years um, while I've been um, battling various health issues and uh, really appreciate all of that. And I'm sure Jean will keep you up to date uh, with how things are progressing uh, next week and beyond. It means a huge amount to us, so thank you. The second thing I want to say is to do with uh, the series of, of teaching that we've had recently on Psalms. And uh, there's, especially there's been a focus on uh, lament over a couple of the weeks. And I just found that God was saying to me, you don't really lament, do you? I've been trying so hard to be a, um, a positive uh, Christian uh, witness, I suppose, that I failed completely to be an honest lamenter. Uh, but Father said to me quite clearly, uh, it's in those times when you're honest that you're worshipping me in spirit and in truth. And that's when you can actually hear my voice saying, I am still here. So just to recommend that to you, that uh, uh, these teaching series, they sort of link together, they, they do flow. And uh, sometimes it's easy to just take one Sunday at a time. But in fact, there's a... Uh, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us all the time and encouraging us and taking us together on a journey. So, this morning, imperfect followers. I have to say, as somebody who enjoys language, I was very um, tempted to go down a line of talking about imperfect tenses and, and such like. Um, but I'm not going to, so you'll be pleased about that, I'm sure. But these really are my thoughts and my uh, impressions following the video that was sent out and uh, reading the passage that um, was put for us this week. I was absolutely gobsmacked that uh, having had Andy's excellent introduction last week, that the word immediate didn't appear at all in any of the, uh, the verses that I was reading. But there's a real reason for that, because there's an, a different aspect to Jesus' ministry which is really highlighted uh, in this, uh, this particular uh, section. There's a pendulum that I've spoken about before, about how Jesus uh, responded uh, to what was in front of him. Uh, the pendulum is the mountain to the marketplace and back to the mountain. And for those of you who have thought about how a pendulum works, of course, when it gets to the mountain, when it gets to the top of its swing, uh, it stops. And then it comes back down again, it accelerates. And in fact, the, the word immediately applies very much to the marketplace descriptions that Mark puts before us, that uh, uh, things were happening at quite a pace. But then, as it says in uh, 
verse 7, Jesus withdrew. And a bit later on, he withdrew and went up a mountain and called the, his disciples to him. Uh, it's the way he operated. He never just went on rushing from one thing to the other. So although there's an, the immediacy and the excitement, it's punctuated by these periods of up to the mountain top, listen to Father, gently teach his disciples, and then on with the mission. And the mission is clearly described in um, the earlier chapters that uh, were last week's subject. Um, the sower has come to sow. There's a mission. There's a message to be got out. There is a message of the kingdom of God uh, and its immediacy. And the reason that Jesus needed to withdraw was that it says he's, he healed so many people, so many people, that they were crowding round him, hoping to touch him because so many people wanted to be healed. And that is certainly uh, a a feature of the kingdom of God that I'd love to see constantly being repeated. Now, as you know, the sort of subtitle for our current teaching series is Followers of Jesus Then and Now. And uh, I have to admit, sometimes I feel more like I'm a follower of Jesus now and then rather than then and now. But um, watching the video showed a great example of how people of action and nothing but action get impatient with simply following and they want to organize God and Jesus uses every aspect of life to teach but by inviting his listeners to draw their own conclusions that's the genius of parables and uh, I'm not going to go into the detail of the parables that uh, uh, are in this passage but uh, the genius of them is that you have to draw a conclusion. It's not obvious, but it pulls out from people their desire to find out more about God. Now, the disciples had already been called. They'd already sort of expressed their desire and their, their willingness to follow Jesus. And, uh, and so he took further um, time with them to explain the parables so that they were more equipped to go out and, and to do their own ministry in due course. Um, we, of course, live on the other side of the cross. We live in, in, a, in the benefit of, of what Jesus came to do. And so, uh, you know, we need to have our mountain time not with Jesus, but with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and uh, to, take, to take time to ask the same sort of questions, the disciples are like, will you explain this to us? I don't get this. I don't really see it clearly. And uh, with that sort of attitude, uh, God will be only too happy to help us. So today, the imperfect followers of Jesus, what does it mean to be an imperfect follower? The obvious meaning is that there's something wrong that we need to get right. And I wonder how much effort has been expended down the centuries by people trying to sort their lives out and even worse, trying to sort other people's lives out. What I want us to see today is that the use of the word here has a second and more vital sense, which doesn't focus so much on the failure, and that's of someone being made perfect. 
So they're imperfect because they're on a journey towards perfection, being finished, if you like. And who does scripture say that uh, is the author and perfecter of our faith? It's Jesus. And who has begun a good work that he will see to completion, to perfection? It's the Father. Now the clip of the video showing Jesus talking with James and John gave us such a good idea of his commitment to his imperfect followers. It doesn't in any way trivialise the changes that are needed. But they are both made to see differently, but encouraged in their strengths. One little further aside about the word perfect. If perfect means finished, then finished means perfect. And the purpose of Father, Son and the Spirit at the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. So we're living in the good of that perfection. It is finished. That perfection is now that our wonderful God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, is shown to be united with humanity. Our mission is to make the same message widely known, but our means has now changed because we've received the Holy Spirit. Are we still imperfect? Humanly, yes we are, but we have a guaranteed outcome. Nothing illustrates our need of needing to be perfected better than the example of Peter. There are three times in the Gospels where Jesus, where Peter says to what Jesus has said, never. About Jesus saying that he was going to go to the cross, Peter said, that will never happen to you. And Jesus has to rebuke him and, and, and say, get behind me. When it comes to foot washing, Peter says, never, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus again has to say, unless I do this, you have no part of me. So Peter has to change his mind yet again. And of course, Peter famously says, I will never deny you. And Jesus said, you will. You'll deny me before the cock crows twice. Three times you'll deny me. And again, Peter had to come to terms with his imperfection. But the commitment of Jesus towards perfecting him was to rec have reconciliation with him on the shore of Lake Galilee and to give him a commission to go forward. So now Peter's sorted. Pentecost comes, the Holy Spirit arrives. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. He sees 3,000 people um, become Christians as a result of his preaching. It's absolutely fantastic. And then he has a dream and God says, you need to eat, eat from these animals that I've put before you. And Peter says, never, which just shows that Holy Spirit filled Christians can still say never to God and be wrong and still need to be made perfect. Later on, Paul has to remind him yet again of, of that story when Peter was withdrawn from talking to the Gentiles. So imperfection is always there, but perfection is on the heart of God. And we need to concentrate on the fact that we are being drawn forward uh, to a perfect existence.
The final point about uh, Peter and Paul is important because as a church, as churches, uh, we're undoubtedly gatherings of imperfect followers. We're all works in progress. And part of God's way of perfecting us is to let us minister to one another. As I said earlier, that's not the same as sorting one another out, which is usually motivated by something slightly different. But teaching and challenging one another, certainly. But also encouraging and praying for one another. I absolutely love the way in the video clip that as Jesus walks away with James and John, he just gently puts a hand on each shoulder. And I feel that that's, that's a, a lesson we really need to understand. They've just been told off in a way. They've been told that they're sons of thunder, but that, <laughs> that, that's for certain times, but not for all the time. And they need to learn to, to control that and to, um, to apply it the right way. But there is clear affection in the way that Jesus talks to them. And I think we need, again, to look on the face of Jesus and see the affection with which he holds us and the delight with which he, he treats us as he takes us on to perfection. As Paul says, we need to stir up the gift of God, fan it into flame. And I don't think it's wrong in this context to say, do that for one another. So stir up the gift in one another, fan into flame the gift of God in one another. We need to be praying for healings in and out of the church. We need to be demonstrating the message that Jesus brought, which did not change after the cross, and that is that the kingdom of God is at hand. Yes, we have the story of the cross to tell. Yes, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But the demonstration to those who yet yet to believe is the kingdom of God is at hand. So let's continue to pray for hearts to be open to receive the word and for us to keep listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And that brings me neatly to talking about communion. What an opportunity. We take bread and wine to remind ourselves of Jesus' death and that demonstrates God's love and his total reconciliation to humanity his determination to see perfection in his creation. We can remind ourselves that we're all one body, imperfect though we are, and I think be encouraged that the new wine is a token of resurrection life and freedom, confident that we're being changed from one degree of glory to another. It's been short, it's quite difficult to uh, speak to you personally when I can't see any of you and I hope it's been valuable uh, but I just want to send my love to the congregation to let you know that I'm praying for you all all the time that I'm praying for God to release more of his spirit amongst us in healing and in signs and wonders and praying that uh, we can stir up the gifts in one another in Jesus name Amen <laughs>